The Minnesota Vikings season is circling the drain. What can the Vikings do to fix their issues so that they can make a push in the final two games? Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast, where we're always trying to learn something new. It's part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And thank you so much to those of you who listen every single day. Appreciate y'all so, so very much, especially in this weird week between like Christmas and New Year's. A lot of people are off work, not doing their commutes and stuff. So if you're still coming and hanging out, love you very much. And if you're new, well, hello there. Welcome. My name is Luke Braun. I will be your host, and you can find the show wherever you find your favorite podcasts, whether it's anywhere where you listen to podcasts, including the SiriusXM app. We're, we're partnered with SiriusXM. If you search out Vikings, you can actually find live broadcasts of all of the games there. You can also find Locked On Vikings on YouTube or Amazon Fire and Roku. Just download the Locked On Minnesota Sports app. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off of your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Today on the show, so here's the deal. I watched the tape. Woof. <laughs> Rough one against the Lions. I think the tape, to me, felt more like a loss than a win, but there there was a lot that went right there um, that maybe is worth appreciating more. Maybe I've got some apologies to make. Um, but I figured the best way to approach this is to think, you know, think toward the future, right? There's nothing you can do about the Lions game. The Lions game is a loss. The Lions have won the division. You cannot change that. What you can change is your outlook going forward, right? The fact remains that the Vikings can win the next two games and be in the playoffs in most scenarios. I think the only scenario where they win the next two games and they're not in the playoffs are both Seattle and the Rams winning out, which is possible, but that's parlaying four games together. That's a lot, right? Um, so I'm still kind of looking at this as if they win out they're they're, they're more or less in the playoffs. That's a lot, right? You got to win a Sunday night game against the Packers who have figured out a lot of things. They're a much better team than the last time we played them. Um, I think we found them at their worst in that game where Kirk Cousins got hurt. I think that might be the worst game the Packers had all year. I'll ask Peter about it on uh crossover Thursday, which is tomorrow. Um, then you got to go beat the Lions in Ford Field. You couldn't beat them at home. You got to find a way to get better and beat them on the road. And then maybe you can sneak into the playoffs and, hey, shoot, chip in a chair. All right, sure, we'll see what happens. So how can we take what the Vikings are right now and turn them into a team who can do that? Because in their current state, I don't buy it for a second. I don't know if they win one of those games, let alone both of them. So what needs to happen to change that in my mind? And and maybe what do I need to see in those first few, few moments of the Packers game to think, okay, this team's back? Um. So there are three things, I guess, that I came up with just watching the tape and thinking about it a little bit. For one, you have to chill Nick Mullins out or find a way to chill out the Nick Mullins effect, which could be removing him, right? And the Vikings are thinking about that. Two, you have to stop playing sloppy football. And three, you have to communicate better on defense. And I'll explain what I mean by all of those things. <clears throat> but first, you absolutely have to chill Nick Mullins out. <laughs> and what I mean by that is... Nick Mullins has some absolute seeds on his tape. There is the makings 
of an absolutely sick quarterback on there if you were to cherry pick out all the good plays and you just put them together and you're like wait this dude can play um in particular uh, uh there is a phenomenal post ball r- coming right out of the half to KJ Osborne you probably remember a Justin Jefferson touchdown that diving one was actually was a really good throw and I'm, if I recall on the run there were a couple to Justin Jefferson that were fantastic throws um but there is some hyper aggression that needs to be chilled out and there are definitely some some checks his arm can't cash uh but it's weird because it's it's an in, it's inconsistent. It's not that he just doesn't have the strength, and every time he tries a deep ball, it doesn't get completed. He completed tons of deep balls in that. He completed like five balls over twenty yards. Like it's, we had an insane deep ball game. Um, and he just tried so many of them that he missed on some of them, and he missed so bad on some of them that they got picked. And that's really to me explains three of the four interceptions. Um, two of them were to Jordan Addison, and Jordan Addison was wide open. And I still believe that that those two had a reasonable chance to be touchdowns, if not explosive plays. Um, but the, those first two to Jordan Addison, one was on a deep over where Jordan Addison had gotten behind the cornerback and you just had to lay it out over that corner. But he underthrew it and the corner picked it off. And then another one was on a seam route, or I think it was a corner kind of. It was like a little in and then a seam. He was running up the hashes, uh, or no, maybe the inside of the numbers. And if Mullins puts that ball, this is the one Jordan Addison got hurt on. If Mullins puts that ball to the sideline, even if he uses 10, 20 yards of distance to do it, if he puts that ball on the sideline and leads Jordan Addison to the outside, I think it was Kirby Joseph never has a shot at it. Um, Or whoever that defender was no shot at it at all. So you got to chill Nick Mullins out. And if he is going to take it, he's got to know that he has it. Um, the third, in, or the, yeah, the third interception one was, we talked about it a lot yesterday. You can see a clip on it. Kevin Seifert posted a clip of it. If you want to see that, you just go to Twitter and find his. I'll post one soon too, because I want to post an explainer. Um, but they were running a, a concept called Wave, which has a post and then two, two deep overs crossing underneath it. It's one of the Vikings' favorite shot plays. It's a staple for them. Um, everybody points out how open Brandon Powell was. He was the outlet on that play. So he's either the fifth read or the, oh no, there's pressure. I got to dump it off guy. You're never going to look at him otherwise. So very, very incorrect for Nick Mullins to throw that, that guy, no matter how open he is, um, that that's just not how it works. The first read is the post. And if you see split safeties, you throw it because a post versus split safeties is going to split those two guys. It's going to get through, you know, get to the open part of middle of field, open coverages. And that's exactly what. Nick Mullins had middle of field open coverage. J- Justin Jefferson cleared that safety. He was wide open for a touchdown. If he hits that, if he throws that ball even halfway reasonably, that's a touchdown and the Vikings take the lead with 50 seconds to go in that game. Um, That is a bummer. But the third one is the one that really bugs me because that was what came after the Ed Ingram personal foul, which by the way, horrific call. That was a pancake that came during a play. They called it unnecessary roughness for a late hit. The play had not ended. It had not even close to ended yet. So that was just a horrific call. Uh, that might be the worst call of of the the game to me. A, a, a ticky-tack roughing the passer. I can at least say, oh, maybe you thought there was helmet to helmet. You didn't see it right. I can at least understand that mistake. I genuinely can't wrap my head around that at Ingram play. The, horrible. Not going to go too too crazy about it, though, because what happened next was much worse. You're backed up third and long, and Nick Mullins just heaves an arm punt. 
and now the the Lions had the ball at like the 45 yard line at the Vikings 45 yard line you can do better than a punt dude just like take your check down and punt um so you gotta chill that out right you gotta stop doing that crap uh stop trying to flick flick the ball away when you're in the middle take your sack if you're getting sacked chill that stuff out don't lose the willing to go deep I love that Mullins was willing to go deep the Vikings lived in the deep part of the field in this game, and the offense did put up 411 yards passing. They moved the ball a ton. But you have to chill out on the hero ball stuff. If Kevin O'Connell cannot, we'll say, to, to borrow a phrase, quiet his mind, to borrow a phrase from the guy, if you can't quiet his mind, then I don't think you can have him out there. And that is what the Vikings are considering right now. So if they do have Nick Mullins out there, to me, that says, okay, Kevin O'Connell thinks he can quiet Nick Mullins' mind. Let's see if he was right about that. Um, that's the first thing. There's a lot of stupid mistakes. There's a lot of really kind of stuff that's free to fix. No, I'm not saying they've got to bench this guy. or I mean, maybe the solution is benching Nick Mullins. Calm him down in some way, though. No, I'm not just saying fire everybody and let's get something else going on. I'm not advocating for drastic changes. I'm not advocating for, you know, signing players off of the street. I'm advocating for fixes that are free. It's free to be smarter. And the Vikings need to be smarter. I should mention, though, the big news of the day. You've probably already heard of it by the time you're listening to this. But just in case you haven't, TJ Hawkinson will be out for the year. There's not much of the year left, so that's not super surprising, but the news is pretty bad. It's about as bad as it can be with that injury. ACL and MCL tears, he'll have to have surgery. He'll be definitely in question for the start of 2024. That kind of injury can last, you know, that can take more than a calendar year to come to come back from. So we'll see where TJ Hawkinson is at. Um, I, 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 I hate to do this to you because I know people don't like to be patient, but you have to be patient with it. Uh, with, with when it comes to those injury rehabs, we don't get to know what the schedule is, so don't set an expectation that he'll be back for the start of OTAs or camp, for sure. I mean, that would be crazy. Um, but don't, you know, look at, oh, is he going to be here for week one? And then if he's not, don't get mad. You just, we don't know. We're, and we're not going to get to know when it comes to those injury rehabs. Um, they will not tell us any information. They don't absolutely have to tell us. So you are just going to sit in the dark for a few months, and you best come to grips with that now. Um, also, DJ Wanham tore his quad. No damage to his hip flexor, which is huge. That would actually be much um, longer recovery. But if, if I'm not mistaken, DJ Wanham's in a contract year anyways. So he becomes a free agent dealing with a quad injury that just deeply sucks for him. Um, I, I wish him the best in free agency. That There's, you know, sure, the Vikings have every opportunity in the world to bring him back too if they want. Conversation for January. So... I want to talk to you about the, the, the stupid crap that the can't seem to stop doing. So uh, we've got quite a bit more to discuss. Long way from over here. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Game Time is a great place to get last minute tickets, flash deals, uh, their zone deals, Anything you want to go to, whether it is, say, Sunday night, you want to go, oh my god, let's go party at a Vikings-Packers game on New Year's. Maybe they won't win, but we sure sure as heck know that's going to be entertaining. But if you try to get tickets right now, they're going to be marked up to heck, right? So go to game time, do their zone deal thing. That means you pick the section, they'll pick the row and the seats, and uh, you'll get an average of 18% of savings is what people have gotten on that. And the game time guarantee means that you get 110% off if you find or 110% of the difference, if you find uh, a the same row and section 
for cheaper somewhere else. They want to make sure that they keep you uh, and they're willing to shell out for that if it comes down to that. So head on over to the Game Time app and use code Locked On NFL for 20 bucks off of your first purchase. Once again, that's Locked, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-F-L uh, for $20 off of your first purchase at the Game Time app. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Thanks so much for making Lockdown Vikings your first listen of the day for your second listen. Why don't you go check out the Lockdown Minnesota Sports page? They've got a 24-7 Lockdown Minnesota Sports feed, which is everything Minnesota. So Timberwolves, if you're getting into that Timberwolves season, you got to go check out Lockdown Wolves, Lockdown Wild, Lockdown Twins. This show is on there. All the Lockdown Minnesota Sports offerings are on there. Go check it out. And if you're watching on YouTube, don't push a button. It'll take you right here at, at the end of the show. If you make it all the way to the end, which I hope you do. Goodness gracious. I got things to say. One of those things is that the Vikings have to stop being so gosh darn sloppy. They are a sloppy team. They were a sloppy team in uh, the game against the Lions. There's one sequence that really stands out to me uh, that was two back-to-back snap count issues. One, and I think both of them were on Garrett Bradbury. One, the whole team didn't have the snap count right. So Garrett Bradbury snapped and Christian Darasaw went up with it. To be honest, I, I don't know if it was actually the correct call on that first one um, of a false start. Like if you sit there and, fr- and uh, frame by frame it, but I'm not going to quibble too much over that because it, it's, you know, the refs don't get to go frame by frame um, and the human brain just doesn't work. That's that, that way. So to expect it to would just be folly. Um, but like three linemen didn't go at the snap and two did. One of them was the center snapping. So actually it was just that a bunch of linemen were late. Uh, so the false start might've actually helped. It might've saved us a worse loss. And we at least kept our down the second false start though. Garrett Bradbury just leaned back into the snap like an idiot. Come on, dude. Like that's just a horrible penalty. This is really bad. Um, there's all kinds of other sloppy things. I, I think Nick Mullins throwing those interceptions falls in that category as well. It's like, be consistent, know what you can get away with, not just this time, but consistently know what you always can get away with. Not just what you maybe think you can get away with sometimes, because when you can't get away with it, it's horrible. Um, the offense in general though, was really sloppy the offensive line messed up passing off a bunch of stunts and messed up with communicating they've been pretty good at that this year some of that was david questenberry having a backup in kind of sucks right um there was i think the first sack of the game was him just chasing the crasher you're just not supposed to do that when someone crashes into the gap to your outside you just have to kind of stay home a little bit more than that and trust your teammates going to take it and it was there was a tight end in the block uh, I think it was Hawkinson. Questenberry chased it, and then the B gap was wide open. Nick Mullins got lit up. Um, I think it turned into a fumble that uh, Garrett Bradbury fell on. There were were a lot of wide open receivers um, that just weren't found for whatever reason. Either it was it, it wasn't often that it was like Nick Mullins misreading. It was like pressure got there or something like that. But for whatever reason, it is cast the blame wherever you want. It's frustrating, right? The Lions secondary had a pretty bad game on tape. And I know it's weird to say that about a team that got four interceptions. Um, but guys were streaking open all all game long. I, I think Kevin O'Connell's game plan absolutely cooked. And 
the Vikings couldn't consistently execute. So if we want this team to be a winning team instead of a losing team, and that's what's on the line here. They're seven and eight. One more loss, they're guaranteed to have a losing record, right? They want to be a winning team instead of a losing team. They got to stop shooting themselves in the foot with stupid penalties and stupid communication errors. I don't. Hey, Ty Chandler did not play well at all. <laughs> I, I, this is going to be unpopular, and I'm all right with that because people, I think, I, I would challenge you, right? This is what I'm going to say. If you disagree with me, that's fine, and that's totally valid, but I'm going to challenge you. Um, why is Ty Chandler playing well enough to start, do you think? Pause now. Think about your answer. What is your answer to that question? Um, if you thought something in the world of, well, he's just got that juice, uh, I think personally that you're overreacting, and I think a lot of people are overreacting to how fast he looks on camera and not necessarily the more detailed nuances of the position. Ty Chandler has some misreads, in my opinion, out there. And they're subjective reads, but I, I think there are some times where he's getting greedy. I think in that game especially, he tried to be a hero a little bit, especially on duo reads. Duo reads, if you're not familiar, is a running back read where you go straight up the line, and if they get a push, you take it. Right, You just take your three yards in a cloud of dust. That's what duo is for. It's supposed to be a physical bruising play that you call on second and four to set up a third and one. Um, and if it's not there, you try to bounce it outside. And that's the other par portion of duo is maybe you bounce it and it goes explosive if the defense commits too much to, to plugging up all the inside gaps. Maybe you can get to the outside. I think he bounces those too much. I think he gets greedy about them. And what is core to duo and core to any offense, because every NFL offense runs duo and they all need that play that just gives you three yards when you really need specifically three yards, um, that falls apart when you start turning them into negative plays because you tried to bounce it, right? Or or tackles for no gain. Um, you just, just take your three yards in a cloud of dust. Just run right up to the butt and however much he pushes is how many yards you get and take your physical tackle. But that's not very flashy, right? And you say, ooh, I, but what if I get to the edge? And it's a huge explosive play, right? They like That's a thing. The other thing I have to say about Ty Chandler is that he absolutely uh, beefed a few pass protection assignments. And he got Nick Mullins lit up a few times. He got just destroyed once by a linebacker. He missed a blitzing player on another one on... Uh, Maybe that was the fumble that turned that that Garrett Bradbury recovered is one of the, one of those. I'm getting it all mixed up because there are a lot of mistakes in this game and it's hard to keep them all in order. Um, but I would say after a good game against Cincinnati, kind of a rough one for Ty Chandler for me. Too many mental errors. Stop the mental errors. Stop playing sloppy football. Get to the line in time. I have been saying this all year. But that's the thing that the Vikings need to fix. The difference between teams that win and teams that lose are the ones that have their crap together. And the Vikings at this current moment don't seem to have their crap together. Uh, another big thing of this is fumbling, right? Don't fumble. That was a bigger issue earlier in the season. It reared its head again, though. So stop doing it. Um, and I, I told Peter on the last crossover we did, and I'm going to tell him again, the Vikings fumble a lot, the Packers win. That's a sloppy thing to, to, to cough up the ball. Have your ball security. Have your fundamentals down. Uh, so that's the second thing. Stop playing sloppy football. Stop making preventable mistakes. Stop making mistakes that are free to, to fix, right? It's one thing if you're not fast enough to make the play. 
that's not free to fix. You got to get a faster player that takes a draft pick that takes money, right? It's another thing if you are fast enough, but you put yourself in the wrong place. Um, the defense did that a lot. And it was everybody. Your favorite player had a bad day on defense. Um, and we have to be able to kind of look that in the eye if we want to talk about it. So we're, we need to talk about what went wrong on that defense, what's going wrong on the defense, and how the Vikings can stop themselves from giving up uh, a Jordan Love 40-point breakout game on New Year's Eve as they go you know, rally into the playoffs. So let's. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot at stake still, even though it feels kind of over. So we'll get into the defense next. Today's episode of Locked on Vikings is brought to you by Prize Picks. If you are a longtime listener to Locked on Vikings, if you've been listening all season, you know Prize Picks. We do it every Friday. It is daily fantasy made easy. Pick two to six of your favorite players, and whether or not they do better or worse than their Prize Picks projection, all you got to do is make your picks, slam them all together, try to get a better payout. But it's just you versus the house, not you versus a pool of 600,000 sharks, not picking an entire lineup it's just two to six of your favorite plays so you can really hone in on what you think is gonna go down in these games instead of having to arbitrarily throw a kicker in your lineup because you didn't really think about that and all your that was a david montgomery take. all you need is a david montgomery take or a ty chandler take or whoever right so head on over to prizepicks.com or download the prize picks app uh, prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL or use code locked on NFL in the app for a first deposit match up to $100. That's code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100 or go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL. Moving on with this episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast. That's enough whinging about the offense. Let's whinge a little about the defense who had a pretty putrid day. I will say right now, that was the worst defensive tape I have seen since the Giants game, since the playoff game that got Ed Donatel fired. Truly, that was the worst defensive output on the season. Um, everyone made a lot of mistakes. Compound that with what I've been talking about since the Cincinnati game, that the Lions have all the perfect beaters. When I say a coverage beater, it isn't always going to be a good play, right? There are plays against the Eagles, for example, from earlier in the season. And the Vikings were structuring their coverages a little bit different, but the Eagles ran a lot of dagger. So did the Bengals, so did the Lions, right? Bengals and Lions diced the Vikings with dagger. The Eagles did not have any success with dagger at all. In fact, they I think they had worse. They threw an interception to Theo Jackson, and that was the biggest play that they got on dagger. Um, That is because the Vikings played really tight on the back end in that Eagles game. If you remember, Jalen Hurts passing was was not a thing, and they beat the Vikings rushing more so. Um, and th they just have not been so tight. So you can be in cover two and not lose to Dagger. Um, to catch people up, if you're not uh, familiar, Dagger is a clear out from the slot and then an in from the outside receiver. And you kind of it kind of makes a cross, makes like a dagger on the field. Um, and the reason it beats cover two, which the Vikings like to be in is because that clear out necessarily a safety who is responsible for the entire deep half of the field has to run with that clear out. He has no choice but to run with that clear out. So he is going, that's why it's called a clear out. It clears him out. Um, so who becomes responsible for that second deep route, that second in, right? The cornerback that's lined up on that receiver is going to pass him off to the deep safety who's busy with something else. So who takes it over? 
either somebody has to come from depth or come from uh, like a hook drop, has to come from shallow and back off into that window, which is actually how Theo Jackson got his interception against the Eagles. So it's something that happens. But you have to kind of make a heads up play and you have to be a little bit willing to freelance some. And that can be a, a really difficult thing to do. You have to have a lot of confidence that you're going to see Dagger. Um, or if it's Tampa 2, which is a variant on cover 2 with uh, the middle shallow zone drops way deeper and then runs with anything up the middle, he has to come over and like kind of poach the, the in uh, and watch the quarterback's eyes and try to get an interception. That's also something that can happen. Um, the solutions become impossible if you're not relating well enough to the quarterback's eyes. Uh, and that got really hard against the Lions. This is something that Ben Johnson did a really good job of kind of flummoxing the defense by by making his reads for Jared Goff not progress easily across the field. It was a front side read, a, a backside read, and then a middle read that was always there. So all Goff had to do was look at the front side, say no, look at the backside, say no, and then go to the third thing. That's not easy, but that's all it takes to destroy this defense. If you can get to a third read, um, that's not something that Jared Goff used to be able to do back in the Rams days. He can do that now. He's had enough experience uh, and he can get the ball out quickly. So everything was super wide open all the time over the middle, because if you have your eyes and you read the front side of the play, everyone's going to flow that way on that side of the ball. So you're kind of clearing out that side of the ball. And then you read the backside and you clear the other side of the ball. And then suddenly everything is parted like the Red Sea and that post route that you have over the middle or that basic that you have over the middle is going to be wide open and guys are always just a step late to get there. That was a ton of the Lions production, but a maddening amount of the Lions production came from the Vikings just effing up, just making mistakes. I even pace slips and can't close down on a check down first down Lions. Uh, Harrison Smith tries to squeeze through an A gap on a, on a fourth and one run to lure the running back into his gap, but he's late to actually close down on that. And he misses the tackle. And then Jameer Gibbs jukes a Caleb Evans out of his shoes and almost gets a touchdown on it. First down lions, um, a Caleb Evans misfits and screws up a gap exchange that Jordan Hicks tried to do with him. So there's a miscommunication. A gap is left completely undefended touchdown lions. That's the one that got a Caleb Evans benched by the way. And to speak on that for a moment, a Caleb Evans is benching, um, boy, certainly not a banner day for the kid. <laughs> he, I think he only really got, I would say, truly beat in coverage once. And it was on the final drive that he was in for and he was visibly frustrated, but he got absolutely worked after the catch three times. I, 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 if I'm remembering off the dome, uh, I don't know how many missed tackles he like got credited for or whatever. Some of those happen in like a scrum where there's a whole bunch of other helmets. So I don't really care. But open field tackling absolutely diced up three different times. And each time he was more and more frustrated. I wonder if he got a little tilt. Uh, like, I, I get it. You know, the, the pressure of this, that was the that was the game for the division, right? It, or one of the games that it would have to be for the division. That was the game where the Lions got to clinch in your house, have their big party in your visitor's locker room. And it's kind of your and you feel like it's your fault because you keep messing up in that game. Um, I, I will say, yeah, I'm going to say it. The, the moment was too big for the Vikings as a whole. They choked. They, they, and they've been choking 
this is a Kevin O'Connell thing. Kevin O'Connell's teams choke. And I'm going to keep saying it until they stop choking. Whether it's a two-score lead, they choke it away, team comes back. Whether it's a big moment like this, whether it's the playoffs, they choke. They have their worst games in their biggest moments. Um, I don't like that that's the character of the team, but I can't lie to you about it. That's the character of the team. And no, that was so apparent in the Caleb Evans uh, saga of him getting tilted, letting the game get to him a little bit, visibly frustrated and punching air after he misses another tackle. And then he screws up the fit because his head's not in the game. Uh, that's at least what it looked like to me. Body language wise. Take that with a massive grain of salt, though. All I can see is the body language on camera. I don't know the the dude. So maybe I'm totally wrong about that. And if I am, I apologize. Um, but that doesn't change what I said about the team as a whole. When the lights are brightest, this team chokes. Uh, and really they have to communicate better. And that, that, that is the, the key to this is to keep a level head and communicate. Don't screw up those fits when, uh, don't, don't screw up those coverages. They actually busted a couple of coverages and they've been doing that now for a couple of weeks, um, where they just, they just let guys run free, right? Free and wide open. Uh, very Ed Donatel. That's, this is not good. Um, communication is the key to being better about that. And if you don't have communication, um, you will not be able to adjust to anything and you will be running Madden defenses, drop to a landmark and get carved up by Madden defenses. Um, by, or by Madden quarterbacks. Like that's, that's the kind of world that we are in here. So we're going to transition into talking about the Packers. Now we got Peter Bukowski coming on the show tomorrow. So everybody have fun with that. Um, the key to this though, is I think on defense versus the Packers offense, this is a test for both units who have been, we'll go with inconsistent over the last month. Um, who comes to play with their life on the line? Both these teams are backed into a corner. Both these teams get eliminated with a loss. Who comes to play, right? Well, actually, the Vikings, I don't think they get fully eliminated. I think they would need help to get, like, fully, fully eliminated because they have good tiebreakers, but, like, they'll have, like, a 2% chance. It'll be, like, one of those things where they need to win and get four games or something like that. Uh, so, uh, functionally, both teams get eliminated with a loss. So your back's against the wall. The lights are brightest. Here's the thing about all three of these things that I said. I don't believe in any of them. And I, the Vikings haven't given me a reason to believe in any of them. Do you think that I think Kevin O'Connell can calm down Nick Mullins? No, because if he could, he already would have. Do I think the Vikings can stop playing sloppy football? No, they haven't all season long. Why would they start now? Uh, do I think that they can communicate better on defense? No, they've been horrible at it for two weeks because they, because teams are now figuring out which concepts to run that force that communication to be quicker than it can be. So no, I don't believe in the Vikings right now. I root for them. Go Vikings. I don't want them to like lose for draft position. I'm not one of those crazy people, but I don't believe in them. So go prove me wrong, Vikings. Talk to you tomorrow. And as always, Skull.